This morning we are going to kind of pick up where we left off last week in Proverbs chapter 12. Last week we looked at how diligence spurred on with righteousness is the way to success. That uh, working slowly and deliberately in the same direction and also uh, living with righteous intentions towards other people is a blessing and will eventually result in success as opposed to uh, the desires of the wicked that are trying to get there quick and those kind of things. Diligence alone is not enough. Although there is wisdom in diligence and, and in the steady application of your work that you will succeed in time, uh, diligence alone is not enough. We also need to look at, and what we are going to look at today in chapter 13, is the blessing that comes uh, from submitting to wise instruction. And, and overall, the, the focus of the, the verses we're going to look at, we're going to be in verses 12 through 19 in chapter 13. The message that these verses have for us is that wisdom will win. That being diligent and uh, working steadily towards your goals are not enough, but also that we would listen to and receive wise counsel in our lives is a way to succeed in how we live our lives. Success isn't necessarily um, more money or bigger houses or more things and more activity. I think success is really measured for a believer in Jesus Christ and godliness. How we live in and for the Lord and how He lives through us. And we cannot do that without listening to His wise counsel. So we're going to look at these, what, 12 through 19, that's about, what, seven or eight verses? I'm having to do some math there, but I believe we're looking at eight verses today. And let's just read through the whole thing so we get the, 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 the gist of it. And then we're going to look at certain verses that pair up together. Uh, as often happens in Proverbs, Solomon will jump from one idea to the next, and then he picks up on that previous idea. And, and that's what he does through this. So as we go back through it, we're going to pair some of these verses up together. But let's read it in order to begin with so we get the full, uh, the full passage together. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 tells us, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The one who despises the word will be in debt to it, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life to turn aside from the snares of death. Good understanding produces favor. But the way of the treacherous is hard. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. A wicked messenger falls into adversity, but a faithful envoy brings healing. Poverty and shame will come to him who, ne who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. Desire realized is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to turn away from evil. So right there you might have noticed that we began in verse 12 with the focus on hope. 
Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And then in 19, we also see that focus of desire. That desire realized is sweet to the soul. So, so this section is, is bookended, you might say, by Solomon with this, this focus on hope. In verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope is um, similar to the idea of hope in the New Testament. Hope comes from a verb meaning to wait, to be patient, to, uh, to long for something that, is, that requires you to be patient. And the idea of hope in the New Testament is that which we do not yet have or do not yet see. And nobody hopes for something they have, Paul tells us in Romans. We always hope for something we do not yet have. And in the similar case here in the, in, in the Hebrew, hope is something that requires waiting. And yet, what, is, what does Solomon say? Hope deferred. And to defer something means to draw or to drag it out. So the idea is, is yeah, you have to hope for something and, and wait for it. But if you end up waiting a long time for it, it can make your heart sick. And what happens when our hearts become sick for something that we hope for? We can start looking for shortcuts, can't we? New ways to bring it about. And so we see this in the Old Testament. Abraham, when he was Abram, God told him to go to a new land that he was going to show him, that he was going to give to him and his descendants forever. And Abram waited years and years. He was already an old man when he left his father's town and community and went off to Canaan. And he waited close to 20 years. And in that time, he got frustrated. And he got discouraged. And his wife got discouraged. And they thought, you know, we're never going to have a son of our own. And so what did they do? Their hearts, their hope was uh, delayed and deferred. And so their hearts became sick. And what did they do? Sarah gave... Abram, her maidservant, Hagar, and said, Go into her that I might bear children on my knee. Go into her, have her give birth to a child, and I will adopt that child by placing that child on my lap, in essence, is what she was saying. This is the way we can have a child because God's not working in time. And don't we all, at one point or another in our lives, get to feeling that way? God needs a little help. God's not doing something. God is not operating on a right time schedule, hope deferred truly does make the heart sick. But desire fulfilled, desire, that thing that you, you are inclined for, that you hope to have, when it is fulfilled, when it comes to pass, that's like a tree of life. It's a blessing, isn't it? When something that you've wanted for a long time, when you've hoped for it, it shows up, it's a blessing in your life. And that's, that's the, the focus of the passage here that in verse 12 and 19 we're bookending with this focus on desire. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Desire realized is sweet to the soul. To receive that thing that you're hoping for that you desire in life is a blessing. It's joy. But sometimes when it takes too long for it to come in our ideas, in our place, in our way of thinking, when it takes too long, our hearts can become sick. But not only that, there's also another problem. 
It is an abomination to fools to turn away from evil. And an abomination is a thing that causes disgust or hatred. The focus here, because of what we're going to get into, is that uh, wicked people, uh, fools, those that commit evil, it is an abomination to them. Whereas to God, sin is an abomination. To them, to wait, to be patient, to uh, turn away from evil ways is an abomination. They dis- it disgusts them. And, and so what we see here is a contrast between uh, we have to hope in the Lord and we have to wait on Him. And, and that thing that we desire when we receive it properly, it will be a tree of life. It will be a blessing to us. But what's the truth? The truth is that so many people in the world, especially those who are foolish, who are going to go about things in in evil ways, they don't wait. They seek that thing which they desire today. They want to jump God's timeline. They want to jump His blessing. And and He might have good reason for waiting. He may have good reason for delaying and denying us things that are, are in themselves good but they are not our good for this moment. They are things that He has designed and given to us, and yet we desire it and we hope for it, but it's not here yet. And, and a foolish person is just going to go for it. But a righteous person is going to hope in the Lord. They're going to have that desire and they're going to wait. And that's the idea between these two passages. That yes, uh, desire realized is sweet to the soul. Uh, desire fulfilled as a tree of life, what do we do when that hope that we are desiring for, that thing that we are waiting for, is deferred? When it gets dragged out? When it doesn't come when we expect it to come? That's the question. What do we do then? Do we say, well, God's withholding? God's cheating me? God's keeping me from? Or do we trust in the Lord? That is, that is the crux. And so as we, as we desire things, as we hope for things, one of the things we must do is to let your desires be tempered by the goodness of God. I think one of the, the, the strongest questions we ask ourselves in those moments are, is, is God good? That is the, the, the core question whenever we are tempted to sin against God. The, the, the serpent with Eve. She said, well, we're not allowed to eat it. We're not even allowed to touch the tree. A misunderstanding of what God had told Adam. But what does the serpent say to her? That's not true. God just told you that because he wants to keep this from you. Because he knows that if you eat of this tree, you're going to be just like him. And he's trying to keep that from you. Ultimately, what it hinged upon was this idea that God is being mean to you. God is not being good to you. Therefore, you don't need to listen to God. Therefore, you can take that fruit and eat that fruit because God's trying to keep something good from you. Same thing happened with Jesus in the temptations when Satan came and tempted him. You're hungry. Why don't you make bread out of these stones? Let's go to the temple. Why don't you prove that you're the Son of God by jumping off the temple? Prove to me who you are. And ultimately... He took him up to a high place and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, I will give you all of this. All you have to do is bow down to me. And what he was doing ultimately was saying, 
You don't have to go to the cross. I will give you everything that you'll get if you go to the cross. I'll just keep you from the pain. I'll keep you from the suffering. Just bow down to me. And ultimately, these questions were questions of God's goodness. You're hungry. You've been out here in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights dealing with wild animals, and you're starving. Why are you going through that? God must not love you. And and Jesus' response was, I don't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. I trust in him. I know him. It was prove that God really loves you. Throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple, and the angels will catch you. Prove that he loves you. And he says, I don't have to prove him. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. I believe it. I don't have to prove. I know. And ultimately, you know, God, if he really loved you, he wouldn't make you go through a lot of suffering. I can, I can help you avoid that suffering. And who here doesn't try to avoid suffering? Every chance we can get. And Jesus wanted to avoid the suffering. In the, temp, in, excuse me, in the garden, Jesus prayed, let this cup pass over me. But what's his answer at the end? But not my will, but yours be done. Ultimately, Jesus loved God more than himself. He loved the Father more than he loved himself. He loved us more than he loved himself. He was willing to go through the suffering. He was willing to go through all of the struggle and death that he might first obey his Father and be pleasing to his Father and second, save us. Ultimately, he said, my, my belief in God's goodness is not based on my circumstances. And what bad things I have to go through, I'm still going to trust in the Father. And that is the question that comes to us. And so as, we, as our hope is deferred, as we desire and do not have, let your desires be tempered by the goodness of God. Trust and believe in the goodness of God. That if you don't have something you desire... There is good reason for it. And God's blessing. And we might not see the blessing for ourselves. The blessing might be for others. But trust in the goodness of God as you're desiring for things. In in verse 13, after verse 12, and really 13 through 18, we're going to support this idea by looking at the need to listen to wisdom. And what benefits we get from wisdom. In verse 13, he says, the one who despises the word will be in debt to it. But the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The one who who just despises the word, has no desire for it, is disgusted by it, doesn't want to listen to it, he'll be in debt to it. He, he He will be bound by it. He will... He won't be able to get out. He, he despises it, and yet it will continue to weigh down on him. But the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. See, the, God's commandments and, and words can either be a, a, something that feels like a stone that we're wrapped around or that we're, we're tied to that's going to pull us under, or it can be a blessing. The, the, the difference is our attitude towards it. The one who despises the word or the commandments of God, he... It, it's going to be, it's going to be torture and binding to him. But the one who fears the commandment, who hears the word of God and wants to obey, they'll be rewarded for that heart attitude. 
Those who despise the word, I mean, and it's not just that the, the word of God is, is binding to them, that they're in debt to it, but every action they take, if they do not believe in and fear the commandments of the Lord, every action they take takes them further away from the Lord and further bound up in sin. Verse 18 goes along with this idea with the, the, uh, the word and the commandment. In verse 18, we see poverty and shame will come upon him who neglects discipline. But he who regards reproof will be honored. Now, what, how do we get discipline? How do we get reproof but from God's word, from the commandments? And, and so the idea here is, is that the one who, in verse 13, despises the word, doesn't listen to it, won't receive a reproof, won't accept discipline. So poverty and shame comes to him who neglects the discipline, who won't, won't receive it, won't respond to it. Uh, he, he won't allow it to affect his life. He leaves it alone. But he who regards reproof, and that word regards it, the one who keeps watch over it, the one who preserves a reproof. The idea is the one who, who receives a reproof, a correction. And it sounds kind of funny to say they keep watch over it. But the idea is, is that you look at it and you think about it and you allow it to affect your life and you say, wow, that hurt. Nobody likes to be reproved. Nobody likes correction, do we? But every single one of us needs correction. In our lives, on a daily basis, we need correction from the Lord. Maybe we don't always need the correction that, one, that other people around us try to share with us, but we need correction. And we receive correction ultimately from God's Word. Not just from Scripture, but from Him Himself, what He has proclaimed that is recorded in Scripture. And the person who receives it, who regards it and considers it and and you know, wrestles with it, that person will be honored. But the person who doesn't accept it, doesn't receive it, well, they are going to experience poverty and shame. They are going to, they're going to be in debt to the Word. And, and so as we are going along with this hope deferred, we're waiting for it, our hearts might become sick, we struggle with trusting in the Lord, well, we receive correction from His Word. And, and so the very first place that we get wisdom from is from God. And, and what Solomon is telling us here is that receiving correction from God's Word will bless you. You, you see that in, in both verses. The one who fears the Lord will be rewarded, and he who regards reproof will be honored, will be, will be given glory. So God's Word is there for us. We all need reproof. We all need correction. The question is, is how will we respond? Just as we must uh, let our desires be tempered by the goodness of God, we need to recognize the goodness of God and how He corrects us. That we need that correction, and if we are willing to receive His correction, if we're willing to receive His reproof, we'll be blessed. We'll be honored. But if we instead reject it, if we uh, despise it, if we don't want to hear God or what He says, well, we're going to lead into destruction that way. He, he continues this idea, and, and here, so we had 12 and 19, we had 13 and 18, it feels like we're going in, but now 
the verses, it's 2 and then 2. We're going to look at 14 and 15 together and then 16 and 17. He grouped them a little differently here. As we receive correction from the Word of the Lord, now we're told in verse 15, good understanding, or excuse me, 14, let me go back to 14. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. Just turn aside from the snares of death. The teaching of the wise. The, the Torah is the, the Hebrew word there, the teaching, which has been applied to the first five books of, or, or has been applied to just Scripture in Israel and in, in, in the Jewish religion, period, the Torah. They focus on the teaching from God. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. That goes along with the idea um, in verse 12, the tree of life. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Teaching the wise is a fountain of life. These are life-giving, blessing situations. And, and the teaching of the wise serves a purpose to turn aside from the snares of death. That wise people and their teaching for you will guide you in a way of life that will keep you from the snares of death. Similarly, in verse 15, uh, as you're being taught, good understanding produces favor, literally grace. This word is used a lot of times in the, in the Old Testament when like David would say, since I have found favor in your sight. Now that I have found favor. To, to find favor in somebody else's sight means that they like what they see and they're going to bless you. Or they have blessed you. They've given you something that you needed. Good understanding produces favor. But contrast that with the way of the treacherous is hard. The way of the treacherous, the, the person who deals treacherously with other people, their way is hard. And that word hard comes from a word that means to endure. Uh, perennial, even, it can be translated that way. The idea is that it is long and, and, and drawn out. The idea of hard. So, what is Solomon telling us in these verses 14 and 15? He's telling us that if we listen to that first, I think we can identify wise teaching by what it produces. What is it? Where does it guide us? If we are receiving instruction, we can view somebody as being wise because they know a lot of stuff. We can view somebody as being wise because they've been around and they've seen a lot of things. But what's really wise is whether it guides us in paths of righteousness, whether it guides us to things that are life-giving, or is that teaching something that may be crafty, but it's not guiding us in ways that are life-giving? That's the real question. Wisdom, true wisdom, teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. And, and it's there to help you turn aside from the snares of death. It's not going to tell you what you want to hear. It's not going to tell you the easy fix. If anything, most of the time, wise teaching tells you the thing that you already knew, but you really didn't want it to be true. It's, it's, it's the way that you knew you should have gone, but you really didn't want to. Because you know what? It looks hard. It seems hard. We talk about following the, the Christian faith and, and following Jesus, that it is harder. Life does not become easier when you follow Jesus. If anything, it can become harder. Because of the way of the world around us, it is in rebellion against God. And if you're not in rebellion against God with it, then now you've become the enemy of the world as well. 
But what Solomon is telling us is that wise teaching is a fountain of life. It turns you away from the snares of death. The alternate there is if you don't listen to the counsel of the wise, if you don't listen to the teaching of the wise, you're going to walk in the way of the snares of death. You're going to get tripped up. You're going to get hurt. You're going to hurt other people. You're going to destroy yourself in time if we don't listen to wise counsel. Good understanding produces favor. Listening and accepting it and receiving it, walking in that way, that produces favor. But the way of the treacherous is hard. Those who are unwilling to learn, those who will uh, not deal fairly with other people, it might look like they're getting ahead and it might look like they're on easy street, but their way is actually hard. And so even though we think sometimes that living wisely or righteously is harder, what Solomon tells us is that following wise counsel is actually the easier path. Following wise counsel is the easier path. It might not be the most direct in our minds. It might not be the one that happens the fastest. But it is the easier. You know, if, uh, it, it has been said that if you never tell a lie, you don't have to remember to keep your story straight. If you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about getting caught in a lie. You don't have to keep track of what have you said to who, where, when. If you deal truthfully, you can always be up front. And the same is true in, in, in many ways, that if you, you know, if, if you go into debt to buy stuff, and you rack up the credit card debt, you get a mortgage, and you start racking up a lot of debt, that is not easier to live. It may be more expedient, but it is not easier than a person who says, I'm only going to buy things with the money I already have. That might be harder on us. It may be harder to defer our desires, to hold on and wait. That might be difficult. But it's actually an easier way to live. It's an easier path. It's, you don't have to worry about creditors and and. and being called and, and being having things taken away from you. You just have to live with a little less probably today. It's easier in the long run. It's actually an easier way to live. It just looks harder to us because we want those things now. But following wise counsel is actually the easier path. And, and so we see, we see that receiving correction will bless you, and, and we receive correction ultimately from God's Word, but we can receive correction from the wise people around us who tell us we are foolish, who tell us we're going about things the wrong way, who can tell us there is a better way to do things. And listening to them will actually result in an easier path, ultimately. The hard part there is, though, usually our desires don't go along with wise counsel, do they? What we want in the short-term immediate often doesn't go along with wise counsel. But what happens if we actually live it out? Verses 16 and 17 tell us, every prudent man acts with knowledge. A, a prudent person is one who cares about the future. And so a person who cares about the future is going to think about what they're doing and they act with knowledge. They've re they'll receive wise counsel, they wait until they're knowledgeable about what they're doing, and then they act. Because that's what a prudent person does. In contrast to that, a fool displays folly. And that word display means to, to lay it, let it all roll out. 
you know, to, to let it unfold. They lay it open. A, a fool will show the whole world their folly in the way they go about business. They're not, they're not prudent. They're not thinking about the future. They're not finding out all the knowledge they can before they act. They just act. They, they show their foolishness. We've all probably done that at one time or another, and we've got people around us, and we see them. And we think, well, that was foolish. Why'd you do that? You know, it's, it's obvious to everybody around you that was a foolish thing to do. Because they act without thinking. They act without knowledge. The foolish person displays. They, they display their folly. And now we, we switch the other way. A wicked messenger falls into adversity. Uh, a foolish person displays their folly. A wicked messenger. A, a messenger who is no good falls into adversity. But a faithful envoy, healing. Now that word brings, you see that's in italics, that's because it's not in the original. Uh, If you go through a lot of the translations, a lot of the translations that we have all add this word brings. Because it's an envoy and a messenger. And what does a messenger do? They bring a message. They bring something to you. An envoy takes something to somewhere else. And so the understanding there is an envoy brings healing. But if you read it without that brings, if you read it the way the Hebrew was written, a a wicked messenger falls into adversity, but a faithful envoy healing. It's the idea of what results for them and to those around them. Just as a prudent man acts with knowledge, a faithful envoy brings or experiences healing as opposed to the adversity that a wicked messenger has. When you're living out and you're active in your life with wisdom, the idea is for the healing that it brings a cure. It is health to you. It is good for you. It is, it is good for those around. Other Proverbs talk about trusting in a, uh, you know, in a lazy person as a messenger. It's not good for you. But if you have a, a faithful envoy that's going to be a blessing for you. And a faithful envoy is going to be a blessing to themselves. So, so these verses are talking about how we live out. If we, if we receive the correction, if we receive the wise counsel, how do we actually act? And the, the, the truth is in this passage that living according to God's wisdom will benefit you greatly. That, that if you live according to God's wisdom, you will act with knowledge You'll be prudent. You'll be considered about the future. And that you will bring healing. That you'll bring a blessing to those around you. That you'll experience blessing. Living according to God's wisdom will benefit you greatly. It, It doesn't feel like it in the short term sometimes, does it? Sometimes listening to God's Word and doing what God has said feels like it hurts us in the short term. But this is the long game we're talking about. And living according to God's wisdom will benefit you greatly. As, our, as we have hope for things, as we desire things, as those things do not come, our hearts may become sick. They might hurt. They might become desperate. And, and when that happens in our life, and it happens to everybody, we have got to temper our hope and our expectations with the goodness of God. That that if I'm not getting this in time, God is still good. 
And so then we also need to study and, and receive God's Word and, and reproof and correction that we get from other people who are godly, who, who know God's ways, to encourage us to hold on to the path that we are on. And if we receive those things and, and we, we follow those instructions, we'll actually find over time that that is the easier path. And as we follow those things and we live according to God's wisdom, we will experience the benefit that it has for us. And ultimately, the desires of our heart will be fulfilled. And we'll experience that tree of life that is sweet to the soul. It is not enough just to be diligent in our work, although that is great. And that is definitely needed. But adding to that diligence and that desire to live righteously is a need to listen to God's commandments. To, to not just focus on what our hope is, but also God's perfect way to fill our hope. And we find that by listening to wisdom. The wisdom of His Word. The wisdom of the saints around us. And trusting in it. Basing our lives and how we live on God's wisdom. On His instruction. On being patient that we might see those things. The people who who aren't patient, the people who go for it themselves, the people who aren't going to listen to God's Word, they're not going to listen to His correction. Every step of the way, no matter what it looks like to us here on earth today, every step of the way, there are snares of death. They're displaying their folly. And their end will be destruction, not life. It may not feel like it right now. But truly, in the end, wisdom will win. God's wisdom is the key to success in our lives. God's wisdom will win in the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that uh, You give us correction. We have so many desires of our own and, and ways of going about things. But Lord, You correct us. You reprove us. You bring us back to You. And we thank You, Lord. We pray with all the many voices that are in the world today that we would listen to Your voice. That we would seek Your wisdom, Your knowledge, and that we would act according to what Your Word tells us that we would act according to the, the promptings of Your Holy Spirit in our life. Lord, as we hope and we do not have, we pray that our hearts would not grow sick, that we would not seek a shortcut, but that we would trust in You, that You are good, that You love us. And so You have our best interest at heart. And maybe sometime our best interest at heart is to be hungry for a while. Maybe to, to go without. Maybe not to see success in earthly ways because it would be our destruction. Help us to, to trust You. To believe in Your love for us. And to walk in Your ways. That we would listen to Your wisdom. That we would receive Your rebu rebuke. And Lord, that we would wait upon You to see our hope and our desires fulfilled. We ask and pray today 
that our hope would be in you, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.